Welcome to our Victory Outreach Chino podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated at this time. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word. I just want to mention about the prayer and fasting that started yesterday, um, and it is a good way to start the year. And then the end of this month, I believe it ends about the end of this month, right before the prayer summit, and that's going to be powerful too. And the, this year, the theme is that descendants arise, descendants arise, and we all are descendant of some sort, <laughs> okay? But you got to choose to follow Christ. You got to choose to put him first and and then God's going to give you much favor this year. And he's going to give you much favor in your ministry and in your family. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and let's read it right now. Let's go ahead and read Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. You may stand when you got it. Today, I'm talking on the topic of clear vision, clear vision. And uh, a couple of days ago, we went on a men's getaway with some of our leaders. And on the way there to, to the place we went to, it was raining, it was foggy. You couldn't see anything really except for what's in front of you. And uh, I had my son Cruz driving, and I was a little nervous. <laughs> He was driving my car, and then he started speeding up. And I go, whoa, whoa, hold on now. But it was windy roads to get to the area. It was dark, couldn't see much. But then the next day, it was complete opposite. There was sun out. There was no clouds in the sky. And you could see the scenery, the beautiful hills, the valleys, the lake. You could see clear. I believe some of us have been in a fog dark situations where you can't see clearly or maybe this past year it was kind of foggy for you I believe God wants to give us clear vision this year just say amen I know you have your Bible just say amen hallelujah all right let's read the word Habakkuk chapter 2 and this is what God gave me initially when I first got called into the ministry I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what it will say to me and what I will answer Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I pray you use me as a vessel to impart to your people vision and faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Tell the person next to you, say, clear up your eyes. And you may be seated. To have a clear perspective, last, I was going to say Sunday, but last Saturday when we had the Christmas Eve morning service, Pastor Soul spoke a powerful message. On He said the title was, Thus Saith the Lord. And I'm taking heed to that. We should hear the word of the Lord. To consider your ways, to consider your future, to consider the times that we're in. We are living in the last days. And the new year is a great time to reevaluate, to reset, to re-envision. And that's what I'm here to do this morning. 
See, the hardships that, you know, we could go through can cloud our vision. The trials, the setbacks, the failures, whatever comes our way. But I want you to know, this, we're turning the chapter today. The calendar has turned to 2023. The old has passed, the new has begun. You got to start believing that. There's, you got to take the rear view mirror off your dash and just have front vision through your windshield. God wants to do something fresh. And this was the time where you, this is the time where we set ourselves on the rampart, just like Habakkuk did. You know that if you'd study the commentary on that, Habakkuk, the background to it, he was saddened. He was a prophet of God, but he was saddened by the violence. Now, I want you to listen closely. By the violence and corruption he was seeing. There was prostitution was bring, uh, being, they were doing that in the temple. And children were being sacrificed to pagan gods. There were overwhelming evils. He lived in the midst of a political chaos and threats of war. Habakkuk found himself in search of answers of the times he was living in. Doesn't it sound familiar, everything I just said? Violence. Sexual immorality. Desecration of the temple. Uh, politician chaos. I mean, every single thing. History repeats itself in every generation. And he was in a time where he was pleading and said, God, you stand on the rampart and begin to pray and ask God for answers. He began to ask him, say, God, what's going on here? How can we change this? He says, write the vision down. Make it plain on tablets. He who reads it will run. Though it takes a while, wait for it, for it will surely come. In other words, it may not happen now, but it's going to come. At the end, it will speak. He says, the just shall live by his faith. I believe in two ways. His faith meaning your faith and his faith in you. If you look at it that way, you've got God on your side. You see, God wants to speak to us this month. God wants to speak to us this month to get direction. And even today, starting today, to clear up our eyes. Since th this time, I have seen, since the time of when God spoke to me initially, I've seen God's fulfilling his promises over my life, unfolding things for, for my life. He promised me a beautiful wife. I got that. Inside and out. He promised, I prayed for the promise that he would save my children. And so far, I got four out of five now. <laughs> Waiting for the last one. Coming soon. To live, God wants us to live out our lives with purpose, with a sense of destiny. That the best days are not behind you. They're in front of you. And I like to look at the heritage, the spiritual heritage. I like to look at our, our history of Victory Outreach. I wrote about it. And it's a good foundation. It's a good reference point that God was with us in the early days and pioneer days. My dad pioneered this ministry and trailblazed it with the pioneer generation. And then with the Joshua generation, my generation, we continued with the ministry. It's the second revival. Now we got to start looking forward again for the next thing that God wants to do. I believe God is already sprinkling drips and drops a revival right now. I sense it in my spirit. I sense it in this place. And even all of it, people are anticipating something fresh and something new. We're living the days of Habakkuk. But we need some people to set themselves on the rampart and ask God, what is it? So we need vision for what? Vision for ourselves. 
vision for ourselves. If you don't have a clue about why you're here on this earth, I want you to know God does. He created you for a reason. He created you with a purpose in mind. He said, I will make them in my image when he made man, when he made Adam and he made Eve. I will make them in my image. Because I want you to know this. You're not a mistake. You are loved. You are chosen. You're anointed. God has plans for your life. Just like 2911 of Jeremiah. For I know the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Not for evil, but for good. God doesn't want you to think it's going to be the same old thing this year. No. He wants you to clear up your eyes. Get those eye drops, spiritually speaking. See, he knew the generation that you would be born into. He knew the family you'd be born into. He knew that your parents would be. He knew all these things beforehand and some of the challenges that you may have, the place that you grew up. You grew up in the ghetto or maybe you grew up in a middle class place or maybe you grew up with a broken family. Whatever it may be, all the circumstances that took place when you were born and you started growing up, God still had a purpose for you because he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knows more about you than your mama. He knows more about you than your dad can. He knows more about you than anyone, your wife, your husband. He has your name in mind because he knows you by name. We have been created to worship him. That's why we start the service with worship, to praise, to worship, to invite the presence of the Lord as we worship him and exalt him. As we exalt him and lift him on high, then his presence fills this room. You just saw a demonstration earlier. And when his presence fills the room, that's when we offer up our petition. As he said, first you praise me. First enter my course. First enter into, then you get into the holy place. And then all of a sudden the power comes and we pray for your need. There's a purpose for what we do here. And there's a plan for your life. So God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Also to interact with him. Have a personal relationship with him. Not a religious relationship. Not a lip service relationship. To reflect him. To reflect his goodness. To reflect his glory on your face. Before you were saved, you were dim. You were dark. Everybody's just, it's kind of ugly person. But then you got saved, got baptized. Then you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, whoo, man, he's good looking. Whoa, he was sure ugly before, but now all of a sudden, he's good looking. Now I'm noticing the dimple because he smiles. Call you dimple, Christian. He's so cute. And we've been created to serve We've been created to serve, to use our gifts, to use our talents, to spread and to to expand his kingdom. You no longer belong just to the USA or the country you're from if you're watching. You are the citizen, a citizen of the kingdom of God. And it's not a democracy. It's a kingdom. There's one king. His name is Jesus. He says, I called you by name. I raised you for a purpose. I saved you for a purpose. I raised you out of that ghetto. I raised you out of that that dark place. I raised you. I broke the chains. I want to use you. I want to set you. Because I have a plan for you. We've got to clear our vision. A vision also for our family. 
All of us want our family saved, I'm sure, right? Can you wave at me if we want your family saved? Maybe there's someone in this room that is on the fence. Maybe you came here searching for answers. I'm here, I'm here to let you know you're part of this family now. As soon as you receive Christ as your personal Savior, you are instantly a part of the body of Christ and the family of Victory Outreach. And we welcome you to the church today. Now ask, let me ask you, what is God's vision for your family? I've been taking in, into consideration my own family, my own kids. They ask for advice. They ask for direction. And I, I base it off their giftings. I base it off their passion. Just like I do in discipleship. And when I raise up leaders, I look at their passion. I look, what do they love to do? Hopefully it's godly. <laughs> it should be. Or productive. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, you want to do good things. You want to do good works. Because he created us for good works. And so I look at that, and right away I knew Cruz. Oh, he's a musician, obviously. He can't, you know, he used to play that horn. He started with a saxophone. Oh, man, it was all day long. I was like, stop. Give me some earplugs. But then he got real good. And I go, all right. He started getting awards for his saxophone, elementary school. Then he went on to junior high. They needed a trumpeter, so boom, he picks up the trumpet. And then that's even another sound, different type of instrument altogether. And he, boom, he aced it. Got awards for that. Wow, this guy has a gift. And then, he was, and then he got saved early on too. So I started prophesying over him, and he caught it from the Lord first. And I said, you're called to be a music director. But more than that, God threw in a bonus. He's called to be a preacher, too. So I look at all my kids, and I begin to look at, what, you know, Kim and I, we, we say, how can we shape their future for them? How can we help equip them for their future? Do you do that with your kids? Do you look at them as tontos, stupidos, brats, all these negative thoughts, rebellious, disobedient? You're part of the last day, son. The Bible says it will be disobedient to your parents, and you are that one. <laughs> Constantly putting your kids down, pointing out the negatives, pointing out the negatives in your wife, pointing out the negatives in your husband, pointing out the negatives in every situation. When I hear negativity too much, I got to get out of that room. I got to move to another place because I can't stand it. Now, it's one thing to have a negative comment but have a solution. Try to bring a, a positive solution to a negative situation. So family is important to the health of society, but also to the health of the church. Strong families make strong societies and strong churches. That's what we call this a family church. We are a church on a mission. We're a mission-driven, vision-driven church, but we also are family-oriented. We don't want our kids to go the prodigal way and come back later. We want them to get saved early on. That's why we have kids gang. That's why we have youth gang. And that's why we have all these different ministries to meet the needs of our young people and our, and our families. So vision for yourself, vision for your family, and also vision for your church. Now, I could go a long time on the family because there's also finances. There's a lot of stuff there, but I'm not going to labor that. You know what you need to do there. But also for our church, you are part of the body of Christ. 
In Ephesians 4.11, it says he gave, which is Jesus, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And I've been called as a pastor, and it says, for the equipping of the saints to do what? The work of the ministry. That's why every single person in this room, you have a gift, you have a talent, you have an ability. And you may say, I can't speak like you, pastor. Maybe you're not called to speak. You're called to do something different. Or maybe you are called to speak, and he wants to anoint you. Because <sighs> I didn't think I could speak, but God anointed me to do it. Called me by name. Whatever it is, God wants to raise you up to make an impact, to build his kingdom, to build this house. you got to plug in this year. I'm going to mention some of the ministries we have. We have, we have victory groups. Like a Bible study in houses all over the different parts of the cities and all the surrounding cities here in this area. We have VETI, Victory Education Training Institute. We have Run for Hope participation to get involved with Run for Hope, be part of the team. We have Pathways to Victory, Pathways in a Welcome Center. We have worship, we have music, we have all this stuff. We have discipleship homes for young men and also women. We have Victory Homes. Hello, Victory Homes. You could be a part of helping them. We have Prayer Ministry, one of the most important ministries. Kids gang, kids gang, God's anointed on generation kids. We have also Gap. Come on, I, I knew, I felt him over here, right there, Reyes. Stands for God's anointed prayer partners. And one of the goals is to pray for the pastors. The gang, God's anointed now generation. Meets the needs of the junior high. Well, actually, we have new gen for that. Junior high is a new gen. New gen, new gen is for the junior hires. And then we have the gang for the overall, for young adults in high school. Then we have the Victory Cafe. Danny, Pastor Danny's over that. He has some good cooking. Man, he's good. And also the team he has is good. Maybe you have a gift to cook. Instead of cooking and putting it on Facebook, bring it to the church. We'll show it off for you. <laughs> you have a gift to serve, whatever it may be. We got media. We got media. You can't even see them. They're behind the, there they are, behind the cameras, upstairs, all over the place. We have a media team you can be a part of. And we're going to continue to expand our social media platforms. We have the sound. We have the lighting. Give them a hand. They're unsung heroes. But without good sound, you, this place would be horrible. We have ushers and usherettes. I mean, there's so much more. And there's more coming our way. Or you may have a ministry in mind for you, that you want to start. Something new, never been done before. Innovative. Also with the direction of your leadership that you're able to launch something new. So there's no limitation on what God can use you to do. But it starts by getting a vision for yourself. It starts by getting a hold of God. And then getting under leadership so they can help shape you and mold you toward your right purpose. Can I hear a loud amen? Yeah. And lastly in this part is a vision for the movement. Now, I always believe in the vision international. I, I, I start there. And then I break it down, the vision for our regions and then the vision for your church, and the vision for the individual ministries, in that order. I kind of flipped it on this one. But nevertheless, 
We have a mission. And our mission continues. Since 1967, reaching the inner cities of the world, prophesied at that time when we made the mission statement, we said training centers, different parts, different nations, different places. And it came to pass. Started in the East Coast, also here on West Coast. And now we have, I think, what, six or seven of them now in different parts of the world. Also, my dad and mom, thank God that they're continuing to pave the way for the future and make a way for this third wave move of God. Building bases in strategic cities all over the world. Raising up more young people that will take nations. That's part of our expansion that God wants to do. It's part of our promise in Isaiah 54. He wants to raise up young men and young women, raise them up, put teams together. We have a team in Boston. We're doing the vision as a multi-region here. I'm going to have a meeting with them Tuesday to get an update. Pray for them. They're, they're looking for a building. We're looking to continue to get, get our own building so we can use it seven days a week and not have to wait on the weekends only to open the doors. We have a lot to pray about. We have a lot to think about because God has called each and every one of us to participate in it. Since that original time that God had spoken to my life, there have been times that I've been clouded, to be honest. I've been clouded or even blind in my vision. It happens to every leader at one point in our time. They start with a great vision, expectation, anticipation. Things are going good, but then something comes in the way. Things could cloud us. How can our vision become clouded and why? When you had such a promising calling, such a promising ministry, such a promising thing that God put before you, and all of a sudden you hit a wall. You hit something, and, and disappointments, that's number one, disappointments and disillusionments could settle in. You begin to get down, get discouraged, and then you want to quit. You want to quit at one point because you say, man, I don't know what, how I'm going to get out of this one. I don't know what I'm going to do about the situation. But I do remember the calling. I can't refuse that. I can't deny that. Whenever I get discouraged or, or feeling disillusioned, I just can't, I can't forget the calling. And I knew who called me. It wasn't my dad, for sure. God called me by my name. And then you get up and you get to clear your eyes. See, things don't always work out like we thought they could or would. They don't always pan out the way that we wanted them to. He gave us a, dest a destiny, but then he took us a long way to get there. Bumpy roads, cloudy skies, storms come our way. Relation problems, family issues, people problems. People sometimes are fickle. You're not, though. You guys are good. How can our vision become clouded? Number two is failure. Failure. Mistakes. Failure could be damaging to any believer. You made a mistake. I look at the example of Peter. Peter says, I'll die for you, Lord. Right? When Jesus... He said, I'm going to go to the cross. And what happened? Jesus says, be ready. Satan's come to ask to sift you as wheat. But when you return, make sure you get your brothers in order too. 
And that's, he says, before the rooster crows, or after the rooster crows three times, you, you will deny me. Before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And he said, he was so like strong in his own flesh. And then when they went to the Garden of Eden, they all fell asleep three times. He wasn't on guard spiritually. And so his worst tragedy, watching Jesus being arrested, got him you know, sitting by the wrong fire. All of a sudden, when they start saying, you're with him, aren't you? You're a Galilean. You I, you're, you're sound like them. You sound like those people. You don't sound like you're from here. And he denied, denied, even cussed. And then at that moment, the rooster crowed. And he got eye contact with Jesus. I'm sure he probably saw. And he ran off. And guess what he did? He went back to his old occupation. After three and a half years of training, all this training for what? For Peter to run off and for Peter to feel so down and depressed. And instead of taking his friends and building them up and getting them back on track, he took them back to the fishing lake. But guess what? Jesus didn't give up on him. Just like Jesus isn't giving up on you. You may feel like a failure today. You may have denied Christ more than three times, multiple times. But I'm here to say, God, still, as long as you have breath, you have a chance to repent. You have a chance to cut back. You have a chance to get back on track. God's calling is irrevocable and his giftings are irrevocable and without repentance. But if you repent, you're going to be in alignment with him and be used by God in this powerful way. Somebody clap your hands. I'm here to encourage somebody today. How can our vision become clouded? Number three is discouragement. I kind of mentioned that a couple moments ago. But I like to use the example of Elijah, when he was running from Jezebel, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, was coming after him heavily, looking to kill him. So he laid down after killing all these 450 prophets of Baal with the fire of God. All of a sudden, now he's running for his life. Great man of God. See, after a great victory, sometimes that's when the enemy hits you when you're tired, exhausted. He gets you after the victory when you let your guard down. And the enemy starts whispering at you, telling lies to you, telling you you can't make it. You're not that good. Those people don't like you. This and that. He's lies, 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 lies. Yeah. Going to get you. It's a big, fat, stinking liar. Look at all these rumors surrounding me every day. I just need some time, some time to get away from all these people. Can't take it no more. My best friend said, I don't know the rest. I don't know how to. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Who's your Jezebel? Jezebel. Now, Jezebel could come in any f- form. It come in different forms, different sizes, different weight, different heights, different genders. Sometimes you don't even know the gender. These days, people identify as cats now or dogs or, you know, identify, whatever. God created male and female. That's all I know. Another one is wrong perspective. A wrong perspective. Another story about Elisha now. And he, in 2 Kings 6, talks about that he, all he could see 
but they could see just the army. Actually, they, they see the, the army surrounded, but then all of a sudden he said, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes. And all of a sudden he opened, actually, he told Elijah, he prayed, God, open the, the eyes of Elijah, because uh, Hazai, okay? Elijah cried out, open his eyes. And finally, because he said, don't you see what I see? Elisha said that because he had the clear eyes, spiritually speaking. And then he said, open his eyes. And all of a sudden he saw the chariots of fire surrounding the enemy. I want you to know something. You may have the wrong perspective today. You may be seeing things cloudy. They look obscure to you. You're disillusioned. I'm here to tell you there's angels that got your back. And God has your back too. You got warring angels. When you get into the presence of God, the devil has to flee. And your perspective needs to change. How would you rate yourself today with your perspective? Do you have a cloudy perspective, a negative perspective, a pessimistic perspective? What kind of, what way do you lean? Do you lean to optimism or pessimism? Yeah, that's got quiet. You know what can really mess us up sometimes? Too much bad news. Surrounding us every day. Just some time. Time to get away from this. All this stuff all around us. This world. This world is getting worse. It's chaotic. I mean, come on. And then we begin to get the negative outlook. By taking these repeated blows of the enemy, we could weather them, these spiritual attacks, or some of these attacks are self-inflicted, I want you to know. That could cause you to have a bad perspective. Sometimes it's because we're not doing the right thing. Like, number one, fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's a perspective problem, maybe because you're looking at the wrong things like Elisha was. Not perceiving the spiritual activity taking place, actually, there was a Gehazi I was seeing things wrong taking place, but there's something on your behalf. So therefore, you got to fix your eyes. The Bible says, Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, of our faith. I want you to know God has plans for you. But you got to take off. Throw it off. Things that hindered you. Things, you know, in, in, the, in the old days when they had the Olympics, they would take everything out. They just had a little girdle or whatever, girdle or whatever they wore. There's those little things. And I thought that on this. little leaves on their head. We got to do that in the spiritual realm. Take off that junk. Turn off that movie. Turn off that Netflix. Turn off that stuff that's not good for your spirit or your soul. Turn off that stuff and fix your eyes on Jesus. And then also build your faith. There's an example of the father whose son was possessed in Mark chapter 9. 
It talks about 9.14, it seemed to be an impossible situation in this passage. He could no longer believe something could be done for his son. In essence, they had accepted the situation to be permanent. In Mark 9.17, it says, it starts here, a man in the crowd answered, teacher. And I want you to know Jesus was giving faith lessons to the disciples all throughout these passages. He was showing how to have faith. How to have true ministry. Watch. He says, he says, the man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my, you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whether it's, it, and whether it seizes, where it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples, which, watch this, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus said, you know, Jesus got frustrated quite a bit. I'm sure he gets frustrated with us sometimes. Thank God, by his grace, he forgives us. He tells them, you unbelieving generation. And Jesus Jesus replied, that's what he replied. How long shall I stay with you? Or basically, how long shall I put up with you? How long should I put up with you? By the bo- bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Key, word, key phrase here, from childhood, he answered. It is often, he's often thrown himself into the fire and water to kill himself. But if you can do anything, another key phrase, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can... Really, you're asking me, Savior of the world, the miracle worker, if you can? Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, watch, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So sometimes you say, if you can, Lord, if you can. No, say, I know you can. I know you can. I know this is not your will for my son to get sick. I know this is not your will for my wife to have cancer. I know that, and I know your power is greater than any sickness, any disease, any bondage. He goes on here in the the passage, and then I want you to know, it says, help me overcome my belief. Then I want you to know, at one time, this boy was a child without the disease, but somewhere in his childhood, he caught something. He got this spirit in him. And I want you to know the hopes that you have for your son and your daughter, and they go sideways. And you feel, man, they were such a good kid. What happened to them? They got worse and worse and worse, and they're stuck. I'm here to give you hope today. I'm here to give you hope. You may that be that one stuck today, too. And Jesus is still able to do the impossible. He is still able to heal and deliver and save and then when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. That authority that Jesus had. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, watch this. Why couldn't we drive it out? 
And he replied, here it is. This kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. Isn't it a coincidence? No. They were having prayer and fasting? No. Very intentional. Because some bondages need to still be broken. Some spirits need to be removed. Some head trips need to be gone. Some children need to be saved. We're believing God for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord as for me and my house. We're standing on promises. I'm standing in the gap with you. I know you guys pray for me. You have a gap on me, but I have a gap for you too. So when you fast, greater miracles take place. I know prayer and fasting, our number one point there is to get close to Jesus. Okay? That's the number one reason to pray and fast. To be holier, to be more in, his, in tune with the Spirit. But there's also power delivered to you too. An authority you can't get from man. You know, the disciples said, and he's been doing miracles all along. And I said, why couldn't we do it? I thought we had the power too. <laughs> Remember you sent us out, the 12, you sent us the 72. No, it doesn't work like that. This one needs fasting. It happened to me, man. I, first time evangelizing in a, a gay bar. <laughs> Wasn't my... Intention, I didn't want to do it, but I just was a disciple at the time in Amsterdam. There's a place called Rembrandt's Plain, they call it. And this, this leader that was from another ministry, he joined Victory Average in Amsterdam. He was a missionary, and he was a radical guy. His name was Kevin. And he had an evangelism team. I was joining everything because I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. He says, what are we going to do this time? We're going to go into a gay nightclub. No one got excited. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but I wasn't ready for something like that. But I obeyed, went in there, got all these people. I felt like, ooh, guess this is how women feel when they go into a club. <laughs> Lust is all over you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You guys know better than your women. I don't know. <laughs> so I went in there. I tried to make a, it was a 10 minute rule. You got to hit and then you got to get out. So I hit and I got out quick. <laughs> then that night, I had all these nightmares, demonic activity, couldn't sleep, tossing and turning. Blah, blah, blah. But I want you to know we prayed before that. We did. But I had the demons all over me that night after that. So then he said, we're going to go in next week. <laughs> I wasn't excited. <laughs> but you know what I did? I took the challenge. I fasted and prayed for three days. <laughs> I was loaded up, man. Loaded up. And I went in there with a whole different authority. And I went and I targeted somebody. I said, hey, come sit down with me. And in 10 minutes, I got this young man to confess, to cry, got his number, and I got out. And want to know something? After that victory, never again. I can't say never. You never know. But anyway, my point to you is this. 
Don't lose heart for your child. Don't lose heart for the situation. Don't lose heart for your finances. But pray and fast. But leave God for breakthroughs this year in your marriage. For breakthroughs this year in your mindset. For breakthroughs this year in your spirit, man. For breakthroughs this year for whatever you're facing today. And then the Bible talks about the disciples. It teaches to how to pray. See, many have a difficult time praying or communicating to someone they cannot see. But we are in need of regular prayer time. I, I read this quote. Listen to this quote. It's good. It's by D.L. Moody. He says, I'd rather be able to pray than be a preacher. Be a great preacher, he said. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, only how to pray. Drop the mic. We all want to be good preachers. But Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray. He modeled praying in certain places. He would go to the mountaintop. He would go alone in solitude. He would take even 40 days in the wilderness to get a hold of God. He got tempted. But he still prayed. And he needed his heavenly father and his human side of him to be the man of God that he was, a son of God. And he was modeling prayer to the disciples. And Jesus taught them with the model prayer, you know it, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All the, oh, you know the whole thing. Our Father, yes. I could do, it. I could do the whole thing. I know. <laughs> I'm just moving fast because we're, I don't want to keep you too long. Are you guys still with me, though? You have nowhere to go. Come on. <laughs> so first Sunday of the year. So first, prayer draws us closer to God. It draws us closer to God. Secondly, prayer brings internal change. See, people want to change from the outside in. It doesn't work. God wants to do an inside-out job. And the only way you're able to get that is through prayer. Thirdly, prayer invites the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. We can do nothing spiritual without him. Nothing really matters in the flesh. It doesn't, doesn't count. Only what you do in the spirit counts for eternity. There's another quote I read by Abraham Lincoln. I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about, and that all of all, about me seemed insufficient for the day. He needed God. Fourthly, if we don't ask, we don't receive. Another quote I read by Hudson Taylor, a great missionary in the past. He says, the prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Quote, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In your desperate hour, call unto him. In your desperate moment, call unto him. In your weakest situation, call unto him. Don't let it drive you to a ref refuge, but the refuge. Not a refuge, but the refuge. He's there for you. Luke 11, verse 9 and 10. So I say to you, 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and those who seek will find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We got to start asking. If you don't ask, you won't get nothing. Ask according to the will of God. Not my will, God, but thy will be done. Jesus prayed that prayer too. Take this cup, take this cup, but your will, God. It's going to be excruciating pain. I'm going to go through crazy time on that cross and beating and all this stuff. Take it, Lord. Take it, God. Take it, Father. Trying drips of blood. In other words, the will of God doesn't exclude persecution or trials or tribulation. Sometimes you're going to get hit in the will of God. But let it knock you to your knees to cry out to him. Instead of quitting, instead of throwing out the towel, say, you know, that this thing's not for me. No, it is for you. You're called by name. You're saved for a purpose. You're raised for a purpose. He sets your feet on solid ground for a purpose. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I've given you the keys to the kingdom, the authority to bind, the authority to loosen. You stand firm. Having done all, Stand. And lastly, we talked about having a clear perspective. How can our vision become blinded or clouded? And now the last thing is a very short part, but it's very important. Clear vision comes through God's touch. The blind man in Mark 8, verse 22, it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So watch this. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. There's a reason for that. He took him out to get him out of the clutter of of everybody. And he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. He spat, put some mud in it. You know, whatever method it takes to get delivered, hey, you're blind, take it. So he anointed his eyes the first time. And I think he was giving a lesson to his disciples, the progression of faith. In other words, you may, you may be in a place where some people are blind when they got saved and they got partially delivered. And they're progressively getting sanctified. You know, I've talked to different addicts, drug addicts, or everyone. I said, did you get instantly delivered? Boom, one hit. And they said, no. Took about a few months, but I stuck with it until I got fully delivered. I'm here to let you know you may need that second touch today. That second touch today. He may have touched you back in 1999. He may have touched you back in 2000-something. He may have touched you back last year, but he says, I want to touch you again. I want to lay my hand on you again. I want to clear up your eyes for this year. You're no longer going to be walking in the clouds. You're no longer going to be stuck. You're no longer going to stay in the cave. You're no longer going to stay depressed. You're no longer going to stay in disillusionment. You're no longer going to stay discouraged. But God has called you today to rise up and be all you can be for his glory and for his honor. Am I preaching to somebody? Yeah, okay, I heard this step before. Then what are you here for if you're not listening? 
Thus saith the Lord. It's here to encourage you. You can stand if you're not already. Just stand. Come on, be hungry. This is not a condemning message. It's a mm, charge message. I believe in you guys. I believe in those men that went to the hilltop with us. Parted to them. I believe they're going to do exploits. And those that couldn't make it, it wasn't because we didn't want you. There was just not enough room. But we're passing it on, that fire. We're going to be imparting to the disciples, imparting to our leadership. All those ministries that I mentioned earlier, some of you are not involved in anything. Today's your day to get involved. He's gifted you for a reason. I want you to know the gift wasn't given for you alone. The gift was for you to give it away. And when you bury your gift, you're being disobedient to your heavenly father. Because Jesus gave me a gift to equip you. And these ministers to equip you for the work of the ministry. I'm going to pray for you. If you've been challenged, whether you've been saved 35 years and up or whatever it may be, or just newly saved and all between, this is a great day to make a new commitment and clear your eyes. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray these messages build, encourage, and strengthen you in your faith. If you would like to partner with us, the Mother Church is a great place to sow a seed. So head on over to our website at viochino.org and click the giving link located at the top of the page. Also, we would love to hear from you. So leave us a praise report, prayer request, or if you've given your life to the Lord, let us know by filling out the salvation card. We would love to connect with you and help you get started on your journey of serving God here at Victory Outreach Chino.